Thank you, worship team, for um, leading us this morning. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Chapter 2. Uh, as we look to God's Word today, um, my mind is spinning from the surprise box. Uh, snake, serpent, messages. And uh, as we look to the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians, uh, this is Satan's message to us all. I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if you should continue to follow. It doesn't seem like it's worth it. Don't you have anything better to do? Uh, does God really care for you? Um, I think of our graduates, uh, and I think of how... Um, some some of you do you remember when you graduated from high school? Some of you say no, I don't. Uh, some of you have blocked it out of your mind on purpose. You're purposely forgetting. Um, and that idea that you go out in a world that's not congratulating you for following after Christ, not not welcoming you, not saying how can I help you, how can I encourage you. I. I want to ask you, so what are you doing here this morning? And, and even me asking you what you're doing here this morning, for some of you are going, what am I doing here this morning? Don't I have something better to do? Why do I have to come? It's a beautiful day here in Bear Valley Springs. Couldn't I be doing something better? You know, uh, for, for some, I grew up in Santa Barbara, and I don't if I had a dime for every time someone told me, you know, oh, you know, I just feel close to God when I'm surfing, you know, you know, it helped some for most of them that they were smoking weed prior to going surfing. But uh, man, I just feel great. I don't know why. But uh, um, th this idea that there's something more for you, that your original answer was not the right one, that your commitment to Christ and your trusting him with your whole life that somehow that should be renegotiated that that should be downgraded that should be placed in a special spot but not a significant one and this morning as we look to the second chapter of the book of first thessalonians i want to tell you that this is was in paul's mind because it was in uh, these believers in Thessalonica. This was the challenge. This was the 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 uh, threat to them over and over again. And frankly, it's a threat to us as well. It's it's every day. There's thousands of decisions that you will make that that say that come to that fork in the road or that that options of life that say, Am I going to listen to Christ? Am I going to follow? the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Am I going to obey the Father as He's written in His Word? Am I going to do that? Or am I going to go back to my old ways? By the way, those old ways are what sent you to the new way, right? Uh, there was the emptiness. And so the old ways aren't going to work again. So I just want to remind you of that. It's a reminder time this morning. But there are other things out there too, and they're tempting us and drawing us away 
Will I trust in Christ? Will I, I live for him? Will I acknowledge him in the big and the small? And so we go to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the first 12 verses. God's word says this. For you yourselves know, brothers, uh, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came uh, with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as the apostles of Christ. But we are gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Uh, so being affectionately desirous of you, we are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. While we proclaim to you the gospel of God, you are witnesses. And God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his own children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Uh, we ask that you would change us and remind us of the worth of the gospel, uh, not just in the message, but in the hearts of us. Uh, God, we thank you for this time. We ask that you glorify yourself in us and in this church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to tell you what I'm doing. Some of you think that I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. And that's true sometimes, okay? Uh, as we go through the book of 1 Thessalonians, we did it from time to time in the book of Matthew. I'll read a larger section then I'm going to preach through. This is kind of to encourage you as well. I did this this morning, and some of you say, well, you know, it usually takes about this long for this many. You're doing the math, and it's like this complex. Uh, I want to give you context, but I also want to read to you the Word of God over and over again so that you adhere it. And it's kind of a sneaky way for some of you because it's like, oh, it becomes familiar, and it's like uh, God's working in your heart and you're getting the word of God and it, you're getting it in context. And uh, by the end of the book of First Thessalonians, we're going to all have it memorized. OK, so uh, uh, this morning I read through three sermons. OK, three, three sermons worth. OK, we're only going through the first uh, six verses this morning. Chapter two starts out um, with. Uh, kind of a remembrance. It's uh, Paul pointing them back to the time that he was there. And remember when I was there? Remember when we came to you? 
remember what went on when we were there. And what's going on in the book of First Thessalonians, at least initially, is there have been reports that they're trying to discredit the messengers, uh, Paul and Silas, and probably Timothy as well. And uh, so this first section, even as we uh, uh, got into a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but in this first section of chapter 2, is Paul, it's a defense of sorts. Um, and, and I want to tell you this, it's not a defense of, of Paul himself in the sense that I'm great, you, you need but it, it's connected with the gospel. And the tactic of the enemy goes like this. It's a worthless message. It's a worthless message that you heard. It was from worthless messengers. And so you following it is worthless in your life. And so your life is worthless. Uh, a lot of connection there to this idea that it, it's not worth following Christ. And it's not worth it because the messengers had some other motive and because the message itself wasn't that great. And so forget it all and go back to your old ways. In verse uh, 1, it says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. Coming to you was not in vain. And he makes a, a big, bold umbrella statement. He says, Our coming to you was not in vain. And it takes you back to the book of Acts, uh, chapter 17, and you can think in your mind, uh, this was Paul's missionary journey, and uh, I was a stop on that second missionary journey, and he'd gone to Philippi, and now he... I was going to Thessalonica, and he made a stop, and that stop had a purpose. Uh, many of you uh, have uh, traveled cross-country. How many of you have traveled cross-country? So, uh, yeah, good times. You wasted a lot of gas. You've seen a lot of corn in our great, great uh, country. Uh, I was amazed last time we did that a few years back. There was corn in every state. <laughs> They were just growing it everywhere. You know, they're just growing corn. Um, as you go, there are some stops that you are on your journey for a purpose. You're going to visit your aunt in such and such city. You're, you're, you're stopping for this particular, uh, to see this particular site. But there are other places you just stop. They just stop. There's no purpose to them. In fact, there's some places you stop and you wish you wouldn't have. Okay. Uh, you're going along and you stopped and, you know, there's a list of reasons why you went. But, but Paul's talking about his stop. And, and some would say Paul was just aimlessly walking around uh, trying to share this message. It's kind of like a traveling salesman. He's got his uh, trailer of wares and he, he pulls into a town and he says, I hope I can make some sales here. You know, I hope I can sucker some people into whatever I'm selling. And I wander into this city and I got a good reception. It was a good city and he smiles and he's got this big pile of money and he leaves. But Paul starts out this, this whole uh, idea. He says, you know, you know. He's not asking them to figure out something new. He says, you know, you remember, you, uh, recollect, you can recollect when we came to you, it was not in vain. It was not worthless. It was not this aimless, worthless stop on our travels. 
And why? A couple of reasons. Because they came to share the life-giving message of Jesus. The, the, the message that would transform them to hopeless, helpless people into believers in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that that's the same reason we meet here this morning. We don't meet in vain here this morning because we don't have an empty message that gathers us together to meet. This is not just an exercise in futility. Paul came as a messenger, but it wasn't important that he was a messenger. It was important that he had a message. And it wasn't just important that he had a message, but that that message went and, and was received in the hearts of people. And as it's received in the hearts of people, guess what? A church was planted in Thessalonica, and it was continuing on as they received this letter. And so he goes back to them in encouragement. He says, remember that day? Remember when we came to you? Remember that that, that our coming to you was not a worthless uh, visit, but it was one of importance. <clears throat> He's going to go on to share with us really seven things that the reason why this message wasn't worthless. There was, there was a because. There's, there was reasons that he could point to. And, and some of those are in the negative. Some of them are in the positive. I, I think that that's irrelevant this morning, which is negative and which is positive. But I want to tell you that th this idea for you, it, it's this reassurance over and over again that you accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ it matters. It matters. I, I think sometimes uh, we, we hear people talking, say, oh, that's just my religion. You know, that, that's just what I believe. It doesn't really matter. And I want to tell you, uh, Paul was writing, uh, reminding them that it eternally mattered in every area of their life that they'd accepted the gospel. And by way of remembrance, this morning, it's uh, our time to remember. It's our time to not forget uh, the worth of the gospel in you. And uh, that's the danger for our, our young people, isn't it? That they would forget the worth of the gospel. That they'd make a bad trade. That they'd trade something of infinite worth for something of lesser worth. You look down at verse 2. Paul continues and he says this, not because it was an easy path. Verse, verse 2 says this, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know. Uh, last week we looked at this, Acts chapter 16. The stop before Thessalonica was Philippi. Okay? And in Philippi, some things happened. Uh, we don't have all the things that happen in Philippi, but we know this, that Paul uh, came into contact with this girl, this slave girl that was taken over by an evil spirit. And this evil spirit was fortune telling. She's a slave girl and she was making money for her master. And continually, th this was a, a bother to his ministry there. And so uh, he Turn over to Acts chapter 16. I better turn over it to it too. It's bigger in my Bible than it is in my notes. Um, Acts chapter 16. 
And I want to just tell you the aftermath. I want to show you what happened uh, after. Um, it, it's pretty amazing, actually. Uh, so, so Paul's in Philippi. Uh, he, um, he has this slave girl bothering him uh, with these evil spirits. And, uh, and so he casts the evil spirit out of this slave girl, uh, didn't ask for permission uh, from the slave owner, and the slave owner is now mad because he doesn't have uh, his fortune-telling slave girl anymore. And so he's, he's mad. We pick up the story in chapter 16, verse 19. It says, But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them uh, to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders, beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. It says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. That's what happened in Philippi. Uh, we're going about sharing our message. We were going about doing what, what God had told us to do. And it caused us to be beaten and thrown into jail. <clears throat> if you think this was a job for Paul, you got to ask yourself, uh, did he have a good job or a bad job? You know, it was kind of a rough environment he had to work in. And, you know, the, the, you know, the, uh, he sometimes was sent into some difficult situations. You know, you usually don't get stripped and beaten when you go to work uh, and go back right? Uh, and if you had a job like this, if this were just a job, you would say to yourself, because you're smart, you'd say, wait a minute, I want to get a different job. I want to trade this one in. This is a bad idea. The last town we went to, beaten, thrown into jail. It's interesting. So uh, they saved this slave girl from the torment that she had of this evil spirit. And then it goes on to say in chapter 16 that uh, they led the jailer to Jesus. So it, it was like they'd been beaten, thrown into prison. They were singing, by the way. They were singing. But then they led the jailer to the Lord. Like, do you see this? It was like uh, they got in trouble doing what they were supposed to be doing, but they kept doing it kept doing it. And I want to tell you that as we look at Paul's ministry, the message was so important. Uh, it wasn't important because it was an easy path. Sometimes we look and, and right now I want to tell you, we are on the easy path. The most difficult thing we did this morning was get our family to church. And that might have been difficult. <clears throat> it might have been chaotic, but but the idea of being beaten on the way, maybe siblings a little bit, but uh, the, the idea that we had 
to duck and hide and 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 do this and that and and skip out and now duck and wonder what's going to happen afterwards. We are on the easy path, but I want to tell you, even if it wasn't easy, it's worth it because of the message. Because of the message. He continued on, uh, not because it was an easy path. You look down, he, he, he continues on to, to share, and he says this. Uh, he says, he remembers Philippi, he reminds them of it. And in light of Philippi, it goes on to say in verse 2, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. If you go on in Acts and you see that next stop, you remember we talked about it last week. It says the word on the street, and they were becoming unpopular. Why? Because they were turning the world upside down. I want to tell you that as they continued on, it wasn't because of the easy path, and it wasn't because everybody saluted. Uh, you think about uh, the message of the gospel coming into a town. And, and what should happen when the message of a go the gospel comes into town? What should happen? Well, salvation has come to that town. Hosanna, right? You, you, you remember when Jesus went into the city, what they do? They threw him a parade, right? And so when Jesus, by way of message, comes into a city, what should they do? They should throw a parade. But they didn't. In fact, uh, when they figured out what they were doing, there was a sense of uh, hatred towards them. There was a sense of, I can't stay. I wish you'd, be, I wish you'd go away. You're making a mess. And it was a similar thing to both cities, right? There was a sense where the, the people were saying, these people are teaching something that's wrong. And I want to tell you that if everybody knew in Tatchby what we were teaching here, plenty of people would say it's wrong. Wish they weren't like that. But I want to tell you, Jesus comes. And Jesus comes e even if no one salutes, even if no one thinks it's a great idea. Uh, we, we don't do it just because it's a popularity type thing. In much conflict, they boldly declare the gospel of God. But why? Um, have you ever... Most of us aren't that bold, by the way. Boldness is not something that we have. Um, <clears throat> when are you bold? When are you bold? Some of you say, I'm bold at everything. Uh, that kind of boldness is real close to foolishness, by the way. Uh, uh, mo most of us are bold when we feel like we know what we're doing, right? Um, I, I think, think of the areas that I grew up, and I know those areas, and if people were traveling through and they started to tell me what was in Santa Barbara and this and that, and they're getting the details wrong. Even if they were adamant, I would say, you're wrong because I know. I know I live there. That, that's part of my life. There's areas uh, that, that you all know in your occupations that you've been doing for a very long time. And if I, I, I said something, you would boldly say to me, you're wrong. And even if I uh, adamantly said, no, you're wrong, you'd, 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 you'd still be bold. Why? Because you knew that you were right. I, I, wanted, I want you to get this picture 
that Paul and Silas, Timothy, they continued to go on. Why? Because they knew they were right, but it wasn't about their own wisdom. They boldly shared the gospel, the gospel of God. It wasn't their message. Uh, we'll get back to this idea that it wasn't their message, but that's important to know that uh, not everybody saluted, but why did they continue in boldness? Because it was the gospel of God. It was the gospel that they were declaring was not their message. It was His. In verse 3, um, he speaks about motives. It wasn't because of the fact that they had bad motives or even right motives. It wasn't about them. He, he, in verse 3, it says, For our appeal does not spring from error, impurity, or any attempt to deceive. Back to the traveling salesman. Uh, why does a traveling salesman travel? Well, uh, most people would say, well, because you get customers in every city and you kind of go there. But if you're not the most scrupulous, if you're just saying enough to get a sale, uh, there's a sense where you've out, you, you got to get out of town. You got to get out of town. Why? Because your welcome is done. Why? Because you've told so many lies that they don't want to hear it anymore. And, and Paul's saying, I wasn't one of those guys. I, I didn't have a slippery sales pitch. I'm going to confess to you something. So uh, there's a time in our uh, ministry where um, I felt like I needed to get another job to provide for our family. And so I knew I didn't get need to get the greatest of jobs, just something, a little something. And so work a few days a week, make some money. And so you look in the newspaper, you go online, you go, and um, there was a job as a meat salesman. And I figured a German guy, meat salesman, this should be a no-brainer. Like, I, you know, uh, the only danger is eating the product, right? Uh, but um, so I, I didn't really understand the business. You go in, you interview, and I realized during the interview, it wasn't an interview. It was like you have the job if you can make it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, of course I can make it. Like, and, and what it was was selling boxes of meat door to door. And, and for some of you, immediately you say, oh, I'd never do that. For me, it was exciting. It was exciting. I said, this is great. I can do this. There was a problem, though. I, I'm not a great math. I was never a great math student, but the basic stuff I can do. And you, you start talking about meat. What matters? Price per pound matters. And I started going, you know, and I looked at this box of meat. And I said, oh, it's only few hundred dollars or whatever it was and like a lot of meat and like this and I started adding it up and I started putting it together and I said this meat that we don't know where it came from uh is like $16 a pound and there are burgers in there okay and so I go this isn't a good deal and and I remember doing the math that first day and trying to work you know be trained and and I said yeah, but this is like $16 a pound. He says, oh, you, you never do the math for them. You never have a place where it says that. You, you, you just keep talking and you build a relationship so they trust you and then they'll, they'll buy it and, and then you get your money and you can make like $100 a box. Like this is a great deal for you. And I, and I remember saying, oh, I get it. I get it. 
you have to uh, somehow pull one over on them. You have to somehow uh, get them to buy something that's not good for them. And, And Paul's backing away and he says, I want you to know about the message of the gospel. It was not like that. It wasn't something that we were talking so fast that you couldn't put it all together. And it wasn't something that had payments that went along with it. And it wasn't something that we tried to slip it to you. We didn't have those motives. It didn't come from error. It it was a truthful and it wasn't impurity. It wasn't any type of deception on our part. The truth good for you. And what a great thing about the gospel. That as we share the gospel, as we offer it, we know this. It's the best thing in the world for them. For them. Every person who doesn't know the gospel in your life and in your sphere of influence, confidently go to them. And I want to, it's good for you. And if they say, that's ridiculous, you may think so. You may think so. But it's best for you. It's not just the best for you today. It's the best for you forever. Forever. As Paul came, he says, I want to remind you, remember, we didn't come to you in those ways like those type of people. As you look at verse four, he says, uh, not because we made it up, but just as uh, verse four, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, uh, this beautiful picture that that um, if you can get this in your mind, that God, it was his invention, this gospel, that he put it together to save sinful man, that he would send his precious son, and that his precious son would take the place of sinners that he desired to love and then be in relationship with forever. This was his message. And Paul speaks of it like this. He says, I was given it, but not just given it. It it was like I was entrusted with it. That God gave me this, this beautiful, important, valuable message that I was entrusted. This was given to me and now I give it to you. Uh, what a beautiful picture of what the Lord does. That this isn't something that, yeah, I, I read this book in, from some library. I got it myself. But he says, no, I, I gave it to you. I gave it to you to give out to others. It wasn't something we made up. Uh, when you're speaking with people, in our culture today, it's kind of a weird deal. Everyone, you can have your own opinion. You can have your own thoughts. You can make up your own religion. You you can do whatever you want. And and there's this question, where did you get that from? Where did you get that from? Um, could you footnote that for me? Uh, it's just from my own mind. It's just what I think. And you go, okay. You made it up. That's what you did. And you think you're smart enough or wise enough or truthful enough to make up you know, your brain is enough. And it's not enough. And, and Paul was saying, I'm not enough. I got this message from God. This is where I I received this. This is not something that I made up. He goes on to say in verse uh, 4, he says, So we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Um, Man-pleasing. Man-pleasing. 
gaining popularity, gaining friends. Uh, I want to tell you, to some degree, sharing the gospel is a pleasure to men. It's a blessing here at Bear Valley Church that as I preach, uh, some of you appreciate that. You appreciate that. And so it's pleasing to you. But Paul says his motive in all this was not that they would uh, gain popularity by preaching, but they went out with the purpose of pleasing God, pleasing God. Um, There's this pressure in our world today when someone says, uh, I don't like that, what you're doing. And Paul's saying, you know what? Uh, No offense to you, but I'm not doing this to please you. I'm doing this to please God. There's something bigger here. Sometimes we think we can vote something into existence by popular opinion. And and as men get together, as people vote, there's this sense where we can make something be great. And I want to tell you, this is not the purpose of the gospel. The purpose of the gospel, it's a message from God, His message. And that as we share it, as it goes out, as His word is uh, put in front of people, this is not so they can say up or down or you can keep talking or stop talking or whatever. But this is a message from God and to please God. And so very important for us to remember in our church that this isn't about, um, we don't gather together and vote on what we think is best. We don't uh, say, this is what I like. Uh, We should be trying to please God. We should be asking, God, what do you want? your church here in this place here in this time whatever you want whatever you want uh, we want to get behind that we want to be a part of you pleasing you in all that we do he even says why he says uh, but to please god who tests our hearts right he's the one that we answer to uh it's a dangerous thing dangerous thing folks when we put people in the place of god um, we spoke of that in the last chapter, the idols. Turn from idols to the living God. It, it, when we put people in the place of God, we give them authority over us. We then have to check in with them and say, are you pleased with what I have done? No, I'm not pleased. Oh, I got, I'll go change it to please you. Uh, uh, it's difficult, right? Because if you get... Uh, uh, People disagree on what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And there's this whole complicated thing that you're trying to please everybody and it can't be done. But more importantly is this, that they're not God to you. And so we live to please him. And there's this clarifying, simplifying thing. What does God want me to do? And that's what I want to do. I want to please him. So not because we made it up, not because we were man-pleasing, And then in verse 5, not because we were greedy. Uh, For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Did you know that uh, people can get rich off the church? Can. They can. Um, You say, how can someone get rich off the church? Well, uh, you're getting a paycheck from the church. They can get in a situation where they get rich off a paycheck from the church. 
or they can get rich off business uh, in the church. They can sell tapes or books, and not that selling tapes or books is wrong, but there's a, if, if it, Paul's not really concerned about the dollar amount, but he's concerned about the motive, right? Why are we doing this? Because it will make money for me. Paul didn't come, and he's going to talk about more about what he did to get there. Uh, he didn't come. He didn't come because he was going to get rich. He didn't come. That, that wasn't the driving force. And I want to tell you that that should be a question to you. And, and backing up to the church at Thessalonica, uh, backing up, you know, you go to that church, that pastor is just getting rich off you. That's the only reason that he's speaking to you like that. And you go, oh, so the message that I'm following is only a message based on greed. You see how that would uh, cross it out? And undoubtedly, some were saying, yeah, Paul's just using you. He's just using you. And Paul's saying, no, we, we are not using you. Our motive in coming to you was not based on greed. We have many examples, and the world loves it. The world loves it. There's lists, you can see them on the internet, of richest pastors in America. And, and there's, you know, story after story of grand cathedrals that are built and uh, pastors driving this car or that car. And, uh, it, it, and it's easy for us to say, well, if I listen to them and they drive the wrong car and that's the reason they're doing this, maybe the message itself isn't worth it. Paul's saying, back up, back up. This message is worth it. Why? Because you remember, we didn't come to you based on greed. It wasn't our motive. We didn't flatter you so we could get to your money. Because we were not greedy. And lastly, uh, not because we were glory mongers. Verse 6, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or for other, from others. Um, You've seen this before. People who love the glory of the spotlight. They love the glory of a position. Um, I, I want to tell you the, the picture in the New Testament, we, we go over this quite a bit, is that of shepherd. And thankfully, we live in a place where there are sheep and you see shepherds. Aren't they glamorous? Doesn't they look glamorous? Uh this picture is uh, not a glamorous one. It's standing out in, you know, weeds in the middle of summer in Tehachapi, right? That's the job I want, right? Standing out in the weeds. Most of you won't even weed whack your own weeds. Like, you, you don't even like doing that. But, like, standing out there just watching the sheep do the weed whacking, right? That's the picture. And the picture is just simply concerning yourself with the well-being of the sheep sharing messages and encouraging uh, so that the sheep would do well. And it can get confused. It can get confused. And Paul says, we weren't ones that came to you based upon our own glory. We weren't looking for uh, the spotlight to come on us. We weren't looking for the sense of uh, glory be to me for what great things have happened in this town. 
By the way, whenever we steal the glory from God, um, it's an awful thing. Something we've done nothing for. We've stolen from Him His glory. Paul says, um, as he's talking about this idea of glory from men, from them or somebody else, um, he says this interesting thing at the end of verse 6. He says, uh, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Uh, the approach that Paul came with and, and Silas and Timothy when he came to this church at Thessalonica, I, I don't know if you've had this experience. Some of you do this, this very thing. like you, It's part of your job. Uh, you, you all look like fairly normal people. Fairly normal people. And... Um, as we're out in the community, we're, we're shopping or we're at school or something, you just look like anybody else. But something happens and someone would come up to uh, me and they would say, I need, you know, I, I need you to listen to me. I have a question for you. And I'd go, who are you? And if they reached into their pocket and they pulled out a badge and they'd say, I'm officer so-and-so. Say, oh, it's a different conversation now. A different conversation because I'm not officer so-and-so. I'm just Kevin Bosler. Sometimes uh, you, you say, well, pastors really don't have a badge. Oh, yes, I do. When I roll into a hospital, like uh, you, you'd be amazed at the places I can get into in a hospital. I'm a pastor, and they're like, let him in, let him in. Uh, you know, tougher ones, you bring the big Bible and not the pocket one, right? You can't read the pocket one anyways, but... Uh, it's a badge. And Paul says, I could have brought you the badge. And what was the badge? The apostle badge. And you say, what, what is an apostle? I want to tell you this. The apostle that he's talking about was a specific, special messenger of God. And you say, well, what, how special was it? It was so special that he was, he was writing the scripture, okay? That Paul was uh, set apart as this special messenger uh, of God, that he played a specific role in history. And Paul says, I could have came to that town and rolled into town and just said, by the way, I'm an apostle. Everyone sit down and listen to me. And I'm not going to say it twice. I'm an apostle. It's a message from God. Listen to me. And I'm out. I'm leaving. You better do it because I was an apostle. He says, I could have demanded that kind of treatment. I could have laid down that badge but I didn't. The next two weeks, I want to tell you, are special weeks because we get to go through the tenderness of the gospel communication that Paul shared with the Thessalonica church. One of mothers and one of fathers, and this works out beautifully because in two weeks is Father's Day. I just wanted to tell you that. Um, make sure you be kind to your, plan on being kind to your, the father in your life. Uh, two weeks, um, Fathers are super important. Thank you. Come on, come on, somebody get with me here. Thank you. Um, let me tie this uh, time up this morning, and then we'll uh, spend some time in communion. And I just want to leave you with just this one thought uh, this morning. Um, what, what we're doing here and what they were doing there it, it, it is worth it. Why is it worth it? It's worth it because of what Jesus has done. It's worth it because of what Jesus because it's his message. It's his message. It's his work. 
It's your life. It's your life. It's Jesus in you changing you. And it's our ministry here, too. Why is this important? Because of what Jesus has done. Not because of me or you, but because of what Jesus has done. 